Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast. And we're and your host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. Uh, today, you're going to be hearing a conversation between myself, Eula and Jean Charles, my father, Jamal Thomas, and Mr. Bobby Morgan of the Liberation Lab. And so we talked about CRP, about recreating the system, and about the importance of having Black male educators in the classroom. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. As always, our guest is going to let you know who they are, what they do and why they do it. Yeah, man. Um, excited to be here. My name is Bobby Morgan. I uh, have been in education as a math teacher, middle school math teacher for the last 11 years. Um, it has been a journey. Uh, from coming in and understanding this is how you're supposed to teach to then learning that's not really what you're supposed to do because it's repressing our kids to then trying to fight for liberation for your kids and then finding your own pathways. That's that's kind of been my story. And so, um, man, I'm just excited to be here with you illustrious folks and, and chopping it up, talking about all good things, education and black. I love it. It's my two favorite things. So let's get into it. Um, and so you talked about it, liberation, right? You you founded the Liberation Lab. So why, um, what is it and why did you start it? Yeah. Uh, so, so I started in Camden, New Jersey. Um, once rated the poorest city in America. Uh, it's about seven, I think about seven square miles, really small, but right next to it, is one of the richest places in New Jersey, right? Like literally right across the road. Um, so I, in, in that space, you get to see the disparities that lie with our people. Mm. You, you, you know that the, the, the quote unquote hood is not on accident. Mm. And that is very much so uh, an intentional attack of whiteness on our people. And so I went into you know, as my first job, I went into it like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to change the world. It's going to be great. And uh, once you get in there, you realize. Wait a minute. Why? Why are why are there so many exclusionary practices for for these kids? Like, why? Why do I have to send them to go write a reflection in the hallway? Why do I have to? And it wasn't until like two or three years later where I start finding my voice that I realized, like, no, I am actually complicit and. I am literally the part of the gasoline that keeps this engine running Oof. and I got to stop it. And so from there, from finding my voice, uh, realizing that, you know, and being okay with the fact that I'm not for everybody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you if, you know, your practices are trash and they're, and they're hurting kids. Right. And sometimes it's not for everybody. So I, some, some places from that point weren't for me. I'm in a space now where, the leadership is, you know, 
pretty much all white. Um, I'm still me. I still say, you know, the things that they need to hear, whether or not they want to hear it or not. So it is from that space of realizing that my voice is is bigger, can do more than than those in leadership are willing to allow. Mm. And so when you realize that what you're doing is 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 has more impact than 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 where you're working, then you got to create other avenues to be able to do that. Yeah. And so Liberation Lab was birthed out of that. Um, so my vision for it uh, is to create pathways for liberation for internal and external accountability. So the internal accountability piece is me creating um, ways for teachers to not have to wait for administrators to mm. okay this work, but to give them the tools necessary. So, you know, you're looking at your standards. You don't know how you can teach something that is more culturally responsive. Here's the book. Here's the, you know, curriculum. Yeah. Here's everything in your hand. You have no excuse now. Now you're responsible, yeah. right? But, but that external accountability is for my parents. What would it look like for our schools if if parents were showing up at board meetings with a list of questions and demands every single time? Every time. That they, they split that responsibility between six to seven parents. And now they're all going to the board meeting with one voice and saying, listen, last time we told you that we needed to see you know, your expense report with regard to special education and what programs are happening there. And you give them a list of questions to ask and how to keep track of it and, and a portal to do that in. Yeah, that's that's where I want to go, because I think that's when we're going to really see some movement. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I was literally like just coming off the hills. I was in a session that uh, Bettina Love was speaking and she said that if you're an abolitionist, um, if you consider yourself abolitionist, there should be people who don't like you. And so connecting back, right? Um, that like connecting back to I'm not for everybody. Like uh, if the status quo was cool with you, I'm not for you. If it's okay to like answer my question at my job with like, eh, maybe next year we'll be able to touch on that. And that's not good enough for me. And so I think mm-hmm. it's it's so important of so much of what you just said to, to bring that in as an extremely important factor in liberation, because there are so many people who believe that reforms are going to get us liberated. No, no. Abolition gets us, um, gets us liberated. Mm-hmm. Dismantling mm-hmm. systems and recreating new ones gets us liberated. So I, I love that. I love that so much. Dad, you, what, what's the next question? Can, yeah, I in, can I jump in real quick? Oh, yes, of course. Of course. I, th- I think it's even interesting to your point about, about it's not, just legislation, right? Like Emancipation Proclamation is signed, but we're not free in Texas for years later, right? So it's not the law that's going to free us, right? right? The law will, will surely hold a standard and it has its place, mm-hmm. but it is, it, is, it is through our fight for liberation. It is through our, our, uh, our pushing of back on systems. It is, it is a continual coming back to the ideal and then saying, how have I been complicit and what do I need to change over and over and over again? And I think this is going to probably go into some more of what we're going to talk about, but I think that I, I grow concerned when I feel like in our righteous indignation, in our fight for freedom, that we position ourselves as experts because we ourselves don't have a vision completely of what this looks like. We just know what we're currently looking at is wrong. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there are ingredients in this dish, but I don't know what it's all going to look like. And I want to be able to give my, 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 my voice to, to creating a new normal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. That's definitely exactly. does. Um, I guess, I guess uh, you, you talked about like the, those internal and external stakeholders and, and, and the accountability um, of them. I want you to div- dive a little bit deeper into that, um, particularly from the, from the te- teacher's perspective um, and, and how they can start to use um, the, the, the work that you're doing as, as a tool for liberation, like, like make it real specific. Tell, tell me, you know, something that you've uh, applied to a particular teacher. Don't say their name because you don't want to get people in trouble. But, no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. You get where I'm going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh some of this work is even happening on my job with some of my co-conspirators, right? Um we looked at the curriculum for for example, uh English, right? Uh one of the books that they were going to read was like Romeo and Juliet. Right? And Romeo and Juliet, sure. I mean, it's apparently it's a literary great and I've read it and I'm not no disrespect to Shakespeare and all that. But like they're 14 years old. They fall in love. They have a rich family. They kill each other and themselves like. Like, I don't know how my kids are going to really relate to that. But so so what one of my teachers did, you know, we worked together is she took out that book and then put in stamp from the beginning. Mm. Right. So now kids are having to read about the true history of the United States, it still relates back to the standards. So nobody above you is going to say anything to you because you can, you have a reason that it qualifies. You've thought through it. You know how you're going to implement it. And now there's an, there is a social justice component to it because now you get to see and read like, okay, so why is it written this way? Okay, good. Now that you see why, for example, they mentioned in, in stamped the, uh, even in the the Bible, right? The curse of Ham being used as a uh, a violent way to 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 incriminate blackness, right? Mm-hmm. And then then you can ask your kids, well, why would someone want to do that? What does that do? And now they begin to connect the dots back to what they're presently experiencing, right? If I never give my kids something that they can apply today. Then then I'm teaching I'm teaching them this this ethereal out there cosmic type of reality that they can't ever move. They can never they can never do anything with. And that's the number one question that kids have. Right. Is why do I need to know this? Right. But when you center their voices, when you center their experiences, you you center the epistemology of the community that you're serving now. There's no more. Why do I need to know this? It's like, man, I can't believe I didn't know this. Mm. Or it's, oh my gosh, like, why don't, why doesn't everyone know this? And then they start asking the questions that get them excited about, yeah, being a basketball player would be dope. Yeah, but I could teach other people this stuff that like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And so we talk mm-hmm. about the teaching profession and a lot of kids are like, yeah, I was a kid who was like, how, why would you ever do that? Like yeah. who would ever want to be a teacher? I, I figured it out and ended up here, but it right. is, it is that the feeling that you get when you are like, Oh, I just learned something that changed like the, the trajectory of my life. And, and, and a lot of students, they go from kindergarten to 12th grade and never have that experience. 
but experience. To to your point, like I think about like my history classes, I hated history growing up because it was all regurgitation of facts, right? It's always this idea of okay, what what happened when? But you know, fourteen hundred and ninety two, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and all that other nonsense, right? That I had to learn. The only black person I saw in the textbook was Crispus Attucks, and why? Because he was black man that got shot in the Revolutionary War. Why? Why do I? Why do like why is it that I only get to see me when I when it's when it's on the wrong side of history, quote unquote, right? But what if we actually told? history from the perspectives of those who were more marginalized what if we looked at history and said okay now let's let's look at the french and indian war but actually look at it from the indian's perspective (laughs) Mm. right right and but but to do that is an affront to whiteness and it is uncomfortable for people but those are the pathways to that internal accountability that i want to see yeah we're pushing back against those systems by by not just teaching the facts but teaching in a way that promotes activism and critical thought and and self-reflection about our world. Yeah, I do that with math though, because like it, it, you know, so, so much with, with uh, you know math is, is is all of the things that you described. You know what I mean? It's it's separate from um, a child's understanding of of uh, they don't necessarily see. Okay, this is what I want you know my life to look like, and you know, math is going to help me do it. Like it's, I still don't see it. So I know they don't see it. Um, so, yeah. so talk to us about how, how you, how you do that with math. Yeah. So for me, that looks like going away from, or spent like maybe hitting quote unquote, the Pythagorean theorem for a day, but spending more time on things that are going to promote financial literacy. Hmm. Right. So we're going to talk about percentages, but we're going to talk about them within the context of what, you know, uh, you invest your money into, you know, this high dividend stock, it comes back to you with it, right? But now they have questions. Well, what is it? What is a high dividend stock? Mm. Well, oh, you have the power of Google research it. tell me what it is. Right. Right. So now you're now you're opening their eyes to a whole new world that is purposely kept back from our people. Right. right? The stock market investments, how money works, financial literacy, th- that that is something that is held back from us because as soon as we attain it and as soon as we can activate it, then comes our freedom too, mm. right? Because in the capitalist society, you control the dollar, you control the oppression. As soon as you can't control the dollar anymore, as soon as you can't tell me what I, what where my money goes and how it works for me, mm. now you don't have that control over me. Absolutely. So, so I want to be able to instill that in my kids. And then I also think like from a statistics standpoint, it's like, Let's look at what the stats say regarding, you know, years of education versus how much money you make based off of that education. Right. So now we're talking about um, if you graduate from high school, this is what they project. Okay, cool. But let's critically think about that, because what are the jobs that they're researching that these people went into? They didn't talk about what happens when you open your own business. Right. Let's talk about entrepreneurship. Right. Stats are another way for people to control the narrative regarding how mm. things play out. Right. Um, I'll say this and that, you know, I don't want to go too, too, too much, but like, even in my own story, um, you know, growing up, like I didn't like statistically, I should not be where I am. Right. Statistically it's, you know, single parent household, you know, grandparents, 
you know, took a big role in raising me. On top of that, I'm adopted. On top of that, my biological mother didn't like just left me on a doorstep when she gave birth to me. Like, like statistically, I should not be where I am. And so what I want to be able to do is leverage that for kids and say, listen, statistics don't tell you your destination. They only highlight the pitfalls along your journey. If you know what the statistics are out there to do, then you know how to navigate yourself and go around these things to, to be able to fight for your own liberation. And that's what I want to be able to do. I love that. I love that. That was literally going to be my next question. So I'm glad you asked it. And, and same, I mean, statistically, I'm not supposed to be, to be where I am either. And I think that it's so true that sometimes we think about math or we think about science or we think about all of the disciplines as disjointed. Um, But the more, the closer that you get, like I, in college, I spent such an incredible amount of time in the interdisciplinary studies department because I was able to sit in rooms where the point of the space was to make connections and make cross connections between this subject and that subject. And that is how one, you can like, when we, in in our school, we talk to kids and we're like, oh, what's your favorite subject? So we let them have a favorite subject and then try to use the teacher as a way to leverage their, their learning in other classes rather than building the curriculum around, oh, they love English. So how do we implement more English into their math class? How do we implement more English into their history class? How do we implement more of the principles and the skills that they're learning in English that makes them enjoy that space and look at the cross sections of the ability to to make that connection, which allows them to say, oh, wait, no, now I'm doing the thing that I love in English, but in all my classes. Um, And and that and that and a lot of what we just talked about brings me to the next question that I was going to ask. Would you say? So I think we should get rid of the classes, but that's just me. I, I, it's like, yes, you get, but you're not getting rid of them. You're repurposing them. You're not, you're, you're not, you're, you're stopping it from being you, these walls that, that everything is, is walled off and boxed off, you know, this class and this class and this class, just put them in a room and let them, you know, give them a project to work on that makes them have to do English and math and science and everything all, all together. Um, it, it, I, I think to you. I was going, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Right. I, I think, I think it's possible to have a sledgehammer in one hand and, and to, and to, and to have a wrench in the other. Right. Like, I think it's possible to tear down the things that are horrible and demo those things while building and erecting something that is brand new and more suitable for our kids. I think the problem comes in is because we so badly in education have like this paralysis of analysis, right? We'll mm. aim, 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 aim. And sooner or later, you got to fire, right? Like sooner or later, you got to do something with it. And so we're afraid to fail, but we're failing now, right? So why not working? Like, like fall forward, do something else, mm-hmm. right? The, the quote that I posted today from, from, from Fannie Lou Hamer, like, that's the energy I'm on. Like, if I, if I die, it's going to be five feet, four inches forward, right? Like, I'm not stopping. I'm not backing down. So, you know, I think to your point, Jamal, like, I am, I want to create avenues where the history class, the the math class, the the English class, the science class, we're all talking and, and everything is so related that a kid's learning isn't turned off and they have to open yes. up a new part of their brain to come to my class. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like 
you're learning about, you know, what, you know, global warming and science. Okay. Well, let's talk about percent of increase. If we continue to do the emissions at the same level. So now you're learning about, you're learning about how math applies to science. Okay, cool. Now you go over to your, your, your English class and let's write, you know, let's write our local congressman. Let's let's turn. Let's talk about how to write a proposal. Mm. Let's talk about how to write, you know, these different things that begin to create pathways for liberation, because now they're learning about the things that, you know, the power of the pen. Right. And then, you know, um, I think I think it's when we get out of our own silos, because that's what education has been traditionally. Mm -hmm. We get out of our silos and we begin to see like, no, no, the liberation of our students has to be dependent upon the collaboration of the teachers. Yes, ab- absolutely. And just think about how much teachers would enjoy their jobs more if that was the mm-hmm. case. Like we have to even get into that portion where you you have teachers that end up in situations where they are super. I know the feeling. My, my dog does the same thing. Yes. <laughs> just barking at nothing. <laughs> Um, but but it's where you, we feel so disjointed. Um, what, what you're doing has nothing to do with what I'm doing. And so if we have a meeting and want to connect, like that needs to be after hours because we don't have time in the day to be talking about what you're doing in your class. And the curriculum isn't built around, hey, English, math, history, science, in what ways are we going to carry these skills across um, a- across discipline? And so I think like absolutely what, what all of our, what we're all saying goes into serving um, students having an education where it, it feels fluid throughout the day. And then, oh, oh, child, think about how much better grading would be if we were all doing it together. And we were actually measuring. I mean, there has to be some uh, some way of understanding whether a kid knows it or not. So grading, I'm not, I don't, when I say grading, I'm not saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm saying Grading is an important part of learning because it allows the child to get feedback on where they can grow. So I'm not saying put a number on it, but think about how much easier it would be to grade or to assess mastery in general or to collect data on what a student can or cannot do if all the teachers were working together with that child. And like you said, it was a fluid experience through, okay, I went to math class. I might not really be called math class because we're doing whatever it looks like in this perfect school, in this super school, but it's still fluid. Grading would be 100% easier because they're just passing, we're just passing the baton to each other. Right, right. Passing the baton as they go through, as they go through from class to class. So, so that brings up a question slash comment, right? Mm -hmm. Because it makes me wonder like the grading system has been the same since I was a kid and even before that. Right. So our world has done a lot of changing and a lot of adapting and a lot of growing. Right. What once was normal is not normal. Right. The industrial preparation that needed to happen with rows and and all of that doesn't need to happen anymore. Why? Because our world is much more collaboration. Right. Uh, it's more social cues, cues and, and social intelligence and emotional intelligence. Right. It bo- and, and this is going to probably launch out to a larger discussion. But I think my one of, part of my issue in education, at least even from where I'm sitting and where I'm at 
in education is like we often ask kids to do stuff that adults don't do. Hmm. Right. Be emotionally regulated. Handle this situation with dignity. You know, push yourself towards excellence. Except mistakes. Say it again. Except mistakes. Yeah. Except I made a mistake and I'm going to just yes. own it. Right. But you give a teacher some feedback that says, nah, you probably didn't handle that right. Nah, you probably could teach this better. Why did I get this score? Oh, my God. Right. And it's like. But how are you asking of kids to do something that you're not modeling yourself? You don't even believe the system. So why should the kids believe it? Right. Right. Um, But before you to my question is, how do y'all see? So let's say that it's a perfect you know, we get to redo it. We're starting our own school. You know, it's it's the black on black education, you know, school, right? And 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 to a community near you. Absolutely. <laughs> and and so and so what do you do, right? You have the opportunity to take away grades. Mm. And it's in its and in its place, what do we put in? Because I think that's the fear. It's the fear of the unknown. Oh my gosh, we, but we've always done it this way. Right. How will they know? If I let this go, I don't have any more control. What do I do? Right. And right. so it's like, I, I don't know. Like, how do, how do you, how would you answer that? Uh, I, mean, I think um, it, it, it's, a, it's difficult because it, the answer is different for different people. And you have to, you have to think about it. You know, there's some people out there who will listen to that idea and be like, wow, eyes wide open, let's do it. And then there's other people like, oh, you know, no. Um, and some of those people that are like, no, I think you got to find a way to get rid of them. Like, you know what I mean? It's, you just get early retirements and various different things to that effect. If, if they have an unwillingness um, to model the behavior of unlearning, um, I, I often say to people that unlearning is every as important as learning, maybe more, <laughs> maybe more. Because if you're walking around with, with thinking you know a thing and that thing you think you know is not really a thing, then you, you, you're mm. operating from a from a terrible space. So so some people just gotta gotta kind of go. Um, and I, I, another thing I like like to think about is that we don't have to be like minded in it. We just have to be like hearted. And and if we can get you know some modeling going um, of, of children working um, in in a, in, a, in a project based environment uh, where they are able to even just the example you gave where, where they're able to go from understanding the the, the well, we'll start over here. If they're, they're able to write the congressman and explain to that congressman um, exactly what the what the challenge is, is to, to say something about the curriculum and say this isn't really true, and 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 here is why it's really true. Here's how I found that information out. I went to YouTube University um, to, to to find that information out, and now you know my teacher is less of a here, let me stuff these things into the to the child and more of a wow, this kid is bright and 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 let's bring out the you know what what they're what they're doing and what they're interested in. Um I, I think it, it it most certainly seems as if it would be chaos, but we got chaos anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, it's chaos. So I'm gonna pick it up. Like I don't think it would be chaos. So for me, I think it's more substantive or more helpful to have a system where the assessment, where the grading, where the replacement is something that is tangible. I can hold it. If you have a student applying to your college that says, oh, well, over the four years that I was in high school, I was able to write 17 papers, 
four of them were about X, Y, and Z, five of them were about this, and did it and did a culminating thesis project on X, Y, and Z. You're, you're going to tell me that that kid doesn't know the information and isn't prepared to come to college? So it, it, there, we, don't, we don't have to have numbers or a GPA or a three point this to know that a kid is ready and prepared to move on to the next point in their education. And so for me, what the replacement looks like is something that is tangible, something that I can feel, something that those numbers on my transcript, you can't feel that. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can feel from a student when you look at their college application is whatever they write for their personal statement. And as, as cool as that can be, you know how good people at is, are good at as lying? Like, oh, what? Somebody what? else wrote half of it for them. Like, what? College scandal? That part. Boop, boop, boop. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. College it's because scandal. Even in our present, present design of education, it still is, you know, let me prop up the rich and, and and put my foot on the neck of the poor because you know a girl from from full house gets her daughter into was it stanford you know on uh, usc or US, one of the california colleges yeah yeah yes that's right okay and she got her in usc or whatever the college was she got her in and they did photo shoots of her athletic career that never happened they doctored her scores. They did all these different things. They made her look immaculate. Why? Because they had enough money to do so. And then she got in. Mm -hmm. And what did the mom get? <laughs> maybe, maybe, exactly. Got a slap on the wrist. <laughs> right? Exactly. You got it. <laughs> That's exactly what she got. And and then you got, I, God, I want to do her, I want to do her name justice. Uh, I got to look it up so I can really do that. But like there was a mother who was a homeless mother in the um, who who took the address of somebody that she knew to mm -hmm. get a kid into a school. Yes. And then she is given a prison sentence prison. for for the an, an ungod. I, it was something ridiculous, too. It like, was something insane. Like for fraud. Yes. But it's like. Here we. She she's just trying to get her kids into school. Like you, terrible. You said that school was important. You you told me that it was, right? So my my kids are are in trouble if they don't go. But if I fight for them to go, I get arrested. Like at what point? At what point do you call you call a spade a spade, right? And so, I think to back to you, you know the point about grading like we are so fixated on a score that we're not fixated on learning. Absolutely. Mm. Right. Right. Okay. I, go ahead. No, I, I know you, you want, I, I was just going to say that I think, I think that I'm trying to, I'm trying to restore that type of narrative in terms of just what my kids, my kids experience. Right. So that all the time they're sitting there and, and what do you know? It's online learning, right? It's, it's pandemic teaching, which is, I mean, can I just, can I just be honest? Is it all right? Safe place. Yes. It is trash. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like being on a screen. I don't like looking at the black boxes. I don't mm. like looking at the chat for them to see if maybe they get it and all of that. But even in that, here's how this is how insidious the grading system has made our students think about it. Right. I teach a class first period. I teach another class fifth period. So it's the last block of the day. Right. And in that time, I did one assignment. And then the last class, I do something that sounds the same, but I change the numbers. 
And don't you know the fifth period class had three people who tried to copy from the first period class because they didn't know it, but they wanted to get the score? And I'm like, well, why? Why are you cheating? Like, just tell me. Right. Just say you don't understand and let me let me help you. But right. but when we when we idolize performance over actual learning, this mm-hmm. is what our kids learn to do. Exactly. It's it is it is immoral um, for for a child to cheat. You know, we don't want we don't want to teach people to cheat, but it's far more immoral to create a system that makes them feel like they have to um, or a system that 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 makes it so that it's just an artificial social system that is that is not where they don't feel like I, I need this information. I, they All they're trying to do is check a box because because the teachers are made to feel like all they have to do is check a box because administration is made to feel like all they have to do is check a box because all the way up to the top, they're sending them, you know, sending us down standardized things to make people check boxes. And we, we, we just have to, we have to find ways to make changes to it. And it, it, it is, it is imperative. Um, you know, you, 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 you've heard me say it before, man, that the education system is going to change because it has to change. Like we, we, we yeah. are, we, it, it's, it has to. It has to. Um, it, it, so- it is to your to your point. It is it is a like when we have committed to such transactional leadership, mm. where if you do the right thing, you get rewarded. If you do the wrong thing, you get some some form of consequences. When it's just rigid and handed down, right? It it promotes what we see now. Like I'm in conversations now with my my school leader about like how I'm like you have to own that you've been transactional. That you've you have programmed people to feel like if they do the right thing, they're going to get rewarded. If they if they do the wrong thing, they're going to get reprimanded. And now you're pushing for people to want to be transformational. Mm. It can't happen that way. Not to say that transactional is in and of itself wrong, but it's what you're describing. Right. It's the legislators hand down something to, you know, the superintendents, the superintendents say, okay, now I need to hand that down and oppress the principals, the principals say, okay, I need to hand that down and oppress the APs. The APs say, okay, I'm going to hand that down and oppress, you know, the teachers and the, and the leaders and the teacher coaches. And it keeps going down to now who's at the bottom? Kids. The kids. We got a foot on the necks of the kids saying, why won't you learn? Mm. Right? But we'll look at the violence in the street. We'll look at George Floyd and say, how could that man do that? But every single day in every single class, some mm. there, there's... There, there are people who commit to the same type of violence that we'll put our foot on the necks, metaphorically speaking, and say, why aren't you learning? You can breathe. It's uh, it's so. So when I heard people, you know, using that type of language and, and you know, you know, this this hyperbole and it, it, I, I, right. I uh, at one point, you know, a month ago, two months ago, you know, I, I, I was like, oh, it's too much. Ugh. Like, I, you know, it, it, it reflexively bothered me. But more and more, it doesn't because it actually is that deep. You know what I mean? When I hear somebody say spirit murder, like it, that's kind of what you're doing. Like it, it, it's if, if children love to learn as a, as a rule, children love to learn. If you take that away from them, you you are taking away the thing with which they they they're going to be able to create their best future. So, so yes, um, you know, wh- whether it's being done um, on purpose or, or not, like I, I try diligently not to make people evil. Um, so, you know, right. it, it's, it's, I, I, I try not to, to, you know, question everybody's motives because I, I don't know their motives, you know, but, but 
the bottom line is it's happening. So it doesn't matter what the motives are. It has to change. Yeah. Right. Look at Go me. Ahead. I, I saw my little, look at me creating my little abolitionist father. Look at this. Look at this. Not you. Don't do that. Maybe just a little bit. I love it. Y'all done heard me radicalizing him. Don't do that. You know what's it's interesting too to your to your point, and I'll let you I'll let you go. I I feel like I I'm very conscious of language and I'm very conscious of what like if I'm going to say something, I want to make my words count. Right. And so I, I feel that way to some degree when we talk about violence as it pertains to language. Right. I think that there's some nuance there where I, where I, and this goes back to something that you said that I never forgot. And you said it just now was we don't have to be like-minded, but we do have to be like-hearted. Well, you said that it rocked me. And I said, you know what, doggone it? That is it. Right. Because if I see injustice or if I see that something's inequitable and I've been made to see that my kids aren't being or my students are being helped by it. And I choose not to do something about mm-hmm. that thing, then I am just as evil as the person who created it because I saw it and did nothing. Mm. And I, I'm not even saying that you have to destroy the system. But I am saying if you see it, say something, bring light to it, bring others to the cause. Right. Don't throw some money at it. If you need to like, do something, activate some part of who you are, your time, your talent, your treasure to leverage all of who you are to this cause because you saw it. But when you see it and do nothing, you, you I mean, I have no excuses for you as a person. Birmingham jail. Like. It's just it really is that serious. And I think that that is what in the last couple of days, the biggest question that I've been asking myself, asking my school community, asking folks who I talk to is like the education that you are giving to the students that you serve. Would you give it to your children if you sat in the classroom, Mm -hmm. if you sat in that classroom or like even the things that I know that parents are hearing now having their children at home? Would that be okay with you if it was your child? With the assumptions that you make about your students, would it be okay for somebody to assume that about your child? Would it? Seriously, ask yourself that question. And if the answer is no, for me, I'm answering that question, the answer is no. And I know that the barri- that there, there are barriers to, and resources that have not been provided to me that affect that, but I still have to hold myself accountable, right? And so that, that question just is, so important and i think it connects back to that internal and external accountability part right because it's so important that we consistently ask ourselves okay internally am i providing the education to these children that i would want my kids to receive and then externally saying okay well what are the resources that i have or have not received that have me providing this education well then i need Mm -hmm. to go to those people and then when i go to those people and i'm still not being supported in the way that i need to 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 answer the question yes well, then, then maybe there's some things that need to change, or maybe there's a conversation that needs to be needs to be had. And yes, there's absolutely some some action that needs to take part past it. So I I, I bring that in to to make sure that we touch on the fact that like being an educator, like the the process, like what that means, has to stop being completely centered in. Well, this is what New York State says that I have to do. Mm-hmm. 
or this is what New Jersey State or New Jersey says I have to do. And who and who and what and by what mechanisms can I make connections with other people who have similar belief systems? Like I, uh, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and then I'm, we'll, we'll kick it back to what we were supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but is like, well, what if like we're sitting here fighting about these tests, right? Upset, mad, teachers for good trouble. Like, just how are we going to stop them from t- from giving the kids these tests? Well, what if all of the school leaders just said we weren't going to do it? What's New York State going to going to close every school in the state? No, like, are they going to close every single school if the schools just made a stand and said, "I'm not administering it," sent back the empty packets? And so we have to start thinking about liberation from that standpoint, like thinking for, of liberation from the standpoint of like being a teacher in a school as a, that's a part of a community has to be about activism. And so maybe that's not the right way. But what it like, what are the ways that we collectively come together to answer the question? Yes, that we're providing the education to students that that we would want uh, for our own children. I think I think to your point, right, like people. Even in every form of every movement of, of 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 every freedom movement, you know, there's always been critiques about how far is too far, mm-hmm. right? It was let me put Malcolm against Martin, even though they weren't that far apart. It was, you know, when when it was the Back to Africa movement, it's like, well, whoa, bro, what are you doing, right? Like all these different things, right? But I say, man, I need all y'all. Mm-hmm. I need every single person speaking from their vantage point about this because that's how the needle moves. I need the most radical, most militant, quote unquote, person. And I need I need the person who's just going to be able to in 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 person, the person relationships, say something. I need all of y'all. You know what I mean? And so to your point about the internal and external accountability, I look at it like the guiding rails on a on a train track. Right. You don't have the left track. You go too far one direction. You don't have the right track. You go too far in the other. And so for me, The picture is in this system of education, if nobody else lifts a finger, what can we do so that the train still moves forward? And so in my view, the two places I know it can happen like today is teachers and parents. And why do I know that? Because they they will spend so much time putting teachers against parents. Right. Like. Why is it that administration and other people can look at that event and then say, you know what, we're going to let it be what it is, because if teachers and parents actually unified for the for as the major stakeholders for children and now they're they're pulling up to board meetings unified on what they're saying to to the board, who then is a constituent of the of of the said community. Like, imagine what kind of power that holds. And so I, in my view. I want to be the kind of person that, yes, I want to pull it all down. And yes, all of that is true. At the same time, what can I do today while that's happening, while we're still fighting for that better future? What can I do today? And that's why I want to create these avenues for for teachers and for parents. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's uh, I mean, everything you're saying is profound and, um, and, and, and true. And kind of what you know what popped into my head because we actually just shared some time recently um, in that three-part series, uh, you know, the mighty two percent. So you know, you 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 being a you know in that two percent of of male educators, um, you know, is there some unique role um, that 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 uh, you know that, that that you have to play to make 
um, everything you just described a, a reality? Is is there some difference? Um, and then spin in there some, you know, some highlights, you know, from from that overall conversation because I do think it's it's uh, you know it, it, it's it's important um, because we absolutely need more black men in, in the uh, in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like shout out to every to Calvin to <laughs> Teach Simple, you know. Shout out to 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 James, James and all the all, uh, Remington. Um, shout out to the Cypher teacher Kwame. Uh, all everybody that was in there, man. I thought Dr. it was Tank. a Dr. Tank is a big one. We got to get more <laughs> every single person. By the way, that Dr. Tank lives like down the road from me, so I'm going to link up with him. Um, nope. But I think that in those conversations, what you got to see is. We, the 2% is not an accident, right? It is because if, again, if you see some, some level of injustice, you do something about it. If you see some level of inequity, if, how can you look at the stats that say every single student is helped by having somebody that looks like me in front of them and then say, nah, 2% is good enough. (laughs) How is that possible? Right. Why? Why is it that I have to go to my school leader and say, did you know that Lincoln is a historically black college university that's right in PA? You could go over there. You could form a partnership with them and recruit teachers. Now, at the same time, I don't want to be the kind of person that's like, come on in, the water's fine. And then they dive in and God forbid, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be that person. I want to be like, enter at your own risk. Um, But. I think that to your to your point, when it comes to uh, black male educators, and this is some of the part of what I was having the conversation yesterday with Dr. Felicia Rutledge, we were talking about collaboration and healthy collaboration, meaningful collaboration. It is it is that two percent and that sixteen percent that 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 makes up black male and black uh, our black women educators is a powerful percentage of what 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 we can do. We can do a lot with a little. If anything that, that black folks have taught us in our historical narrative is that we can do a lot with a little. And so would it be nice if all our white allies and all the, you know, the people who may be on the fence got on our side? Sure. But what can I do as I can unite with other people like yourselves, like others who are doing the work and stay encouraged and stay in the fight? Right. I can I can use my voice to champion causes that may spur on somebody else. Somebody else might hear this podcast and say, you know what? That makes sense. I don't know why I never thought about it that way. And if that's my mark, then, man, that's what I want to do. So so currently for me, that looks like so I'm I'm currently taking my doing my master's classes now because I want to be able to remove the barrier of being at the table, being the most qualified at the table, but being but you holding me out of the decision making process because I don't have that credential. Does that make sense? And and I don't like it. I hate it because because when I walk into the room, because of my lived experience and because of what I bring to the table and because of who I am, I know I'm one of the most qualified in the room already. I know I bring intrinsic worth and value because of who I am already. I hate the fact that you have to make me go do this so that you can listen to what I already have to say. But am I willing to navigate this unjust system to free as many people as possible? Right. I, I look at it like Harry. I would have freed more if they knew they were slaves. I want to be able to liberate every single young child. And if I'm going to put myself in that position, then yes, masters, sure, I'll do it. So that I could begin to not just do it from a level of 
internal and external accountability. But now from a school leadership standpoint, if it means even building my own school, I'm willing to do it because I believe in it that much. Oh, I love it. I love it. And so even, I mean, this is our last question, but even in starting to think about what that new school would look like, what that new system looks like and what the transformation of the current system looks like, because it's a both and we're saying these both things have to happen at the same time. What are the actionable steps that you want folks listening to this to, to, to take in order for CRP, diversity, equity, inclusion, social, emotional learning, all the buzzwords, all the buzzwords of 2020? Anti-racist. Oh, yes. What are the actionable steps that you want folks to take tomorrow um, as 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 we get closer to that system that we want to see? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I can say that you can do tomorrow is is one, a change of thought with how you see the community that you're serving. Mm -hmm. Too many schools and too many leaders look at the community that they're serving as a liability and not an asset. Right. There are already organizations. There are already people. There are already activists that are out there doing the work. And 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 if we don't see ourselves within a larger framework of learning for our students, then we will come in with this colonized mindset that a lot of our schools have come to the school. We'll provide all your needs. We are incapable of providing all the needs for our students. Incapable. It cannot happen. What we can do is unite with all the sources of learning and growth and development in these present communities. So why isn't it that we haven't partnered with, you know, um, for example, all the barbershops in the community and then brought the barbers to the school and said, listen, as a discretionary fund, because we raised said money because we got a donor, give our kids haircuts for the first day of school, Mm. bring in the salon. So good. Let's get our hair, uh, you know, young ladies, let's get your hair done. You know, parents, you come too, right? What would it look like if we said, all right, you know, we're still fighting food insecurity. There's these food shelters. There's these different things going on. Let's partner with them. Matter of fact, for our day of service, when we start talking about activism and all those things, we're going to go to those shelters. We're going to go to those organizations. Matter of fact, we don't have to, you don't have to come and meet us on our turf. No, no. We're part of this community. We're going to go to you. Right. When I have a a, for me, when I'm a school leader, I'm not just going to have, you know, parent teacher conferences and meetings at the school. I'm going to find out where parents are in the community. I'm going to go there. Meet meet me at, you know, the YMCA. I'll be there from this time to this time. Bring your kid. I'll play them one on one. They won't beat me. But, you know, (laughs) we can play. I'll do it. Right. And, and now you begin to extend yourself as 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 somebody who's do, who's there for community uplift. And even if they didn't, if there were parents that were disconnected from it or whatever, have you, I bet you you'll see more parents come out to that because you're saying, listen, I'll meet you wherever you are, Yeah. wherever you are. Yeah. You don't have to come. In, listen, you you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to coddle or or, or, or create this mode of whiteness and, and 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 devalue yourself along. Those. No, no. I will meet you in your community where you are because I love and serve you. That's what I want to see. And that's what I'm willing to build. I, well, well, let's that 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 barbershop 
and uh, Salam Park and for, for going into next year. Kids coming, kids who ain't been in school for a year, making sure that they come back fresh. Let's work that project, man. Let's 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 have that conversation. Let's let's find a way to to to, to make that a thing. Um, lots of different places and 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 get some company that says that they care about our community to pay for it. Absolutely. First, first day fresh coalition. We gonna get yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely. So here for it. So here for it. Um, and so, I mean, that that brings us to the end. I, I don't understand how 50 minutes went by. I'm really just not sure. Um, yeah. But I do always want to extend our last question, which turns you into the interviewer, us into the interviewee, and and ask ask us one or two questions that that you uh get a <laughs> podcast <laughs> that you might have for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, First, let me say um, thank you both because um, when I first started to cre- to try to build this platform and build uh, some level of uh, attention around these matters and things that I was passionate about, it, it was in a space where I was, um, I almost walked away from the profession. Hmm. Uh, I, I almost couldn't do it anymore. Because I was being gaslighted so much that I felt like, man, this just might not be for me, right? Similar to the story I told about my grandfather, right? When we, if a plant doesn't grow, it's because you're planting them in the wrong soil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to thank y'all because it wasn't just, hey, man, I see what you're doing. It's great. It wasn't like, hey, you know, I, I see you cool, keep it up. It was like, no, no. What are you doing? How can I partner? Can you come on the podcast? What what questions do you have? Right? Like that type of collaboration was like a warm blanket to my soul because I was ready to leave it all. And so I want to thank y'all for that. Um, because I think people can see what goes on in front of the scenes, but not know that people behind the scenes are actually real. And they, and they, and they do this uh, time in and time out. So I want to give y'all your flowers while, you, while you're here and you can receive them. Um, I want to shout y'all out for that. Um, I think if I could ask you anything, it would be um, what I know that you guys are, are, you know, obtaining the nonprofit status. And I know that you guys are doing a lot of work. And if you could dream about what black on black ed would be five, 10 years down the line, perfect world. What does that look like? Could you, could you take me into that dream and, and, and then how best can, I and others be a part of that dream. Mm, I love that question. Also, with the way you slid that, like, where's your podcast at? Whoa. <laughs> um, you want me to go first or you want to go dead? Um, I mean, you know how I'm going with it. So, you know what I'm saying? You probably want to go first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I taking you into the dream is that it's 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 hard to answer that question because the dream is not mine, right? Like it's not for, it's not mine. It's not yours. It's not like, it's just not the dream is something that we have never seen exist. It's not documented in a book. It's not plan laid out. And so as much as we say, Oh, people already have the answers. Bettina love has the answer. Like Paolo Freire had the answer. They, they do in theory, 
but we've never seen it happen. We don't know what it looks like for kids not to be speared murdered. We don't know what that looks like. And so it's super hard to answer that question. But if I had to, um, it would be, I, I see giving black parents an option, giving them an option to say, you know what? We didn't have an option when it came to Blaumber's board. We didn't have an option when, when thousands of black teachers were fired. We didn't have an option uh, when, when I'm district, like I don't have another, you know, I don't, I don't have an option there. We want to give them an option. And so from, from a nonprofit perspective, it's looking at opportunities to partner with organizations and with families and give them an option to provide their children with an education that empowers them and lets them feel as though, like I had a parent the other day tell me he is scared for his child's future. Wow. Scared. Wow. So I, so, so when I say the dream isn't mine, it's not mine because we're having systems where people are at 12th grade and their families are scared for them. Hmm. So, the, so the dream is to have parents who feel that, that sense of fear to have an option to say, you know what, this system has not been serving my child. And thank goodness that there's, there's, there's people who have committed their lives to figuring out what it is that will work for them. So we, we don't have a clear cut plan. The curriculum is not written in my, in my notebook somewhere. It's just not, but it, it will be a space, um, physical, virtual, and, and communally that allows black parents to say, you know what, like, this don't work and, and, and let's go over here and not from the strength of like, we're going back to segregation, but from the strength of y'all have not prioritized my child and, and this place over here is. So it, that, that's not a full complete answer, but it's, it's all I got. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great one. It's a great one. And you just, and you just throw the assist because, uh, you know, when you, when you say it's, it's not yours or mine or, you know, it really is ours. So, you know, Bobby, you, you asked the question, like, how could you be a part that, you know, I, I, I see things as, as us eventually being commons. Like it, it's, so I, I'm, I'm a futurist of sorts and I study, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency and, and, and it's going to change the world. You know, most people it, it's, it goes way over their head. It goes way over my head still. But I do know that it's it, it's it's happening. It's happening fast. And there's going to be people who create organizations um, that are not just owned by them, but that are owned by the community. So I, I imagine a, a, a I imagine being supported um, by our entire community around the idea that we all love learning. Um, and because we all love learning, we're all creating things together, um, puzzles, books. Um, and, and not just regular puzzles and books, things that have augmented reality on it. You, you post, you, you show, show the phone and up pops Frederick Douglass to give his speech. And you, you go into virtual reality and, and, and people um, are, are in, in engaging and entertaining and fun learning environments um, that, that some of it happens in school. Some of it happens at home. Some of it happens in the park. Um, some of it happens on a fleet of mobile learning environments that are moving around the, around the country, um, upping whatever's happening in various different classrooms. Um, I, I think, I think we, we, we disguise the limit, like whatever we can imagine, we, we can, we can kind of uh, create if we do it um, together. So, um, I, I think that the vision is um, 
the, the co-creation of a brand new story uh, on, on what black education is. So it's 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 collaboration um, with all of the stakeholders, with 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 the educators, with the parents, the, the students, um, finding a way to to show even the state because the state and its bureaucracy, you know, it doesn't want to let go of the power. Showing it a way where look, you you can win in this too. Um, you know, maybe the testing companies, okay, maybe we don't have a way for them to win, but um, something where. Where, where most of the stakeholders here uh, win and, and look at this new story and want to live into the new story, want to be a part of the new story, because this is what's best for all of the stakeholders and what's best for the world. Yeah. So that's, we didn't give you anything beautiful. concrete because it's not. <laughs> vision is not concrete, right. that's, no, not, that's not how vision works. That's what I said, because it's not concrete. Like, it's just not. We don't, no. we don't know. Five years from now, listen, we don't even know what the world won't. We might still be in coronavirus. We don't know nothing. Like, we don't know. So I think I, I, it really is creating that shared vision. That's the only way, the only way to think about what comes five, 10 years. I, I think to your point, right? So, you know, I'm a man of faith, you know, grew up in, you know, the black church. And, but I think there's something to be learned from, like, for example, the story of, of, of Noah, right? He starts putting some planks together. People are like, yeah, what you doing? You were crazy. <laughs> He like, nah, it's going to rain. What's rain? What are you talking about? That's crazy, right? But his building led, led way to a salvation for a whole group of people because he was, he was confident to the vision he was given, mm. right? And, and you don't have lenses for the ship if you don't have no water, mm. right? In the same way, there's no lenses for what Black on Black Ed, what Liberation Lab and, and various sectors are doing because it has, there's no water yet. Yep. But water's coming. Rain is coming. And that and then when that happens, I'll be prepared. Yeah. And so I commend y'all to what y'all are doing. And I'm so grateful to be a part. I'm cheering. I'm supporting. I'm all the way in. Yes. Uh, I appreciate y'all and love y'all. And it is the same energy coming your way. And so the last thing I wanted to let you do, tell folks how they can connect with you, what's coming next from you. Where 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 can they check you out? Yeah. Um, and support you as well, because like, that's, that's important. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think for me, um, so I want to really put my efforts in into what I say, right? So it's not just conversation, but it's activation, right? And so one of the ways I'm doing that is I'm partnering with uh, a teacher from uh, New York. Her name's Elizabeth uh, Hanif. We are uh, creating a workshop, a one-day workshop on March 20th at 12 noon on equity in schools. Um, it's going to be largely practical. Again, I want you to be able to take some of the things that we say and do and practice it once you get out the door, uh, even to the point where we have you know, found resources where you could actually do an equity audit tomorrow mm. right, on your school based on the framework and things that we found. And so we're doing a lot of the legwork. It's, it's heavy lifting, but if I can get two to three to four, you know, teachers to actually do this stuff when they walk out, then I've done my job. So March 20th, 12 noon, uh, links coming on Eventbrite and we'll be putting it on, on social media. So you can find me at, at liberation.lab on IG. Um, and <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. it is, I'm not it's all good. The dog it's is all good. doing it. He's doing his zoomies, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. I get excited about liberation too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, <you're> listening. 
<laughs> yeah. So please follow um, more to come, you know, uh, website, platform, online classes, the whole nine is, is, is all on the way. And um, yeah, it's just all for, you know, teachers and again, for parents to be able to, to, to build these pathways so that we can be liberated. So absolutely. Bobby is super dope, y'all. Please make sure y'all follow him. Um, again, Clubhouse too. Like it is, yeah. He he, he drops bars. At, you know, every 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 time I'm uh, I'm on there with him. So, um, make sure y'all 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 follow this work. And um, thank you, Bobby. Thank you for being here. We definitely 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 appreciate you, brother. Thank, thank you. you both. Appreciate you.